This podcast does not provide medical nor legal advice. Please listen to the complete disclosure at the end of the recording. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyone Dies, the podcast where we talk about serious illness, dying, death, and bereavement. I'm Marianne Matzo, a nurse practitioner, and I use my experience from working as a nurse for 44 years to help answer your questions about what happens at the end of life. And I'm Charlie Navarrete, an actor in New York City, reminding you to prepare by making choices. Former President Jimmy Carter, 98 years old, opted for hospice after a string of hospital visits. Mr. Carter plans to spend his remaining time at home with his family, and he has their support. Make sure you have someone who has your back. So please relax and get yourself something to eat. Loosen the string on your sweatpants, and thank you for spending the next hour with Charlie and me. As what? You're not wearing sweatpants? I'm supposed As to we wait a minute. About, you didn't say anything about that. I had to be wearing pants, Marianne. <laughs> Uh, So thanks for joining us as we talk about frontal temporal dementia. Okay. In the first half, Charlie talks to us about Aboriginal funeral customs and what is known as sorry business. Sorry business encompasses Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander approaches to death, dying, and memorialization of past loved ones, as well as the remembrance of traumatic events, such as the systemic removal of Indigenous children from their families. He also has our recipe of the week. In the second half, I'll be talking about frontotemporal dementia, the type of dementia that Bruce Willis has been diagnosed with. And in our third half, Charlie talks about Australian singer Nick Cave. You know, Charlie, we have a lot of listeners in Australia. About 10% of our listeners are from Australia. Did you know that? I did not know it was up to 10%. I know, yeah. Um, Yeah. So I thought we would chat a bit about Things Australian, other than Bruce Willis, who mm-hmm. is not is, a is, thing is, is Australian. Not, is not Australian, yeah. And and yeah, but and, he wishes and, he and, was. As, and as a shout out to to our listeners in Australia, I will not be talking in an Australian accent. I promise. You're welcome. And you are going to be so happy. He's not. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Charlie, what do you got for us? Well. Indigenous Australian people constitute about 3% of Australia's population and have many varied death rituals and funeral practices dating back thousands of years. Aboriginal communities may share common beliefs, but cultural traditions can vary widely between different communities. For Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, the time before and following death are subject to several customary practices. These practices have meanings that are sacred. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are not a homogenous group and must be recognized as two distinct and diverse cultures. Furthermore, customary practices vary between and within these two tribal groups. There are over 50 Aboriginal language groups in Queensland and two primary languages in the Torres Strait. Aboriginal people believe in two human souls. One is associated with a person's autonomy and identity and the other comes from the dreaming, or God. Upon death, the two souls separate. The identity soul becomes a dangerous ghost that stays with the deceased's bodies and belongings, while the dreaming soul returns to the environment. When Aboriginal people mourn the death of a family member, they follow the Aboriginal death ceremonies, or sorry business. From the moment someone has died, people will say, we've got sorry business in our community. 
How long that sari business goes for depends on the family and that community. It could go on for a week. It could go on for a month. With sub-Aboriginal groups, there is a strong tradition of not speaking the name of a dead person or depicting them in images. There is a belief that when you show somebody's photograph or a video recording or their voice has been played, you're bringing their spirit back for the present and they don't belong here anymore. It is believed that doing so will disturb their spirit. This is why some Aboriginal families will not have photographs of their loved ones after they die. They may also use a substitute name, such as Kamanyayi, Kwentayayi, or Kunamanara, in order to refer to the person who has died without using their name. Not all communities conform to this tradition, but it is still commonly observed in the Northern Territory in particular. Many Aboriginal tribal groups share the belief that this life is only part of a longer journey. When a person dies, the spirit leaves the body. The spirit must be sent along its journey, otherwise it will stay and disturb the family. A smoking ceremony is conducted after a death. The smoking of the deceased person's belongings and residence also assists with encouraging the departure of the spirit. Aboriginal communities have used both burial and cremation to lay their dead to rest. Now, traditionally, some Aboriginal groups buried their loved ones in two stages. First, they would leave them on an elevated platform outside for several months. Then, once only the bones were left, they would take them and paint them with red ochre. The painted bones could then be buried, placed in a significant location in the natural landscape, or carried with the family as a token of remembrance. However, in modern Australia, people with Aboriginal heritage are more likely to opt for a standard burial or cremation, combined with elements of Aboriginal culture and ceremonies. Be aware that if you are a non-Aboriginal person, you may not be invited to observe or participate in certain ceremonies and rituals, though this differs between communities. If you are present during a traditional song or dance, it is appropriate to stay respectfully silent unless told otherwise. Our recipe this week is for Anzac biscuits, and these are historically baked on the Anzac Day, which is an acronym for Australian and New Zealand Army Corps. When they celebrate and remember the First World War, the wives, sisters, and mothers prepared these biscuits for their men who went to fight the war. The biscuits contain oats, coconut, and a secret golden syrup and would be a welcome contribution to any funeral lunch. That sounds good. Yeah. You going to bake some? No. Um, but I'll, <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll send you a picture. Of what? Of, 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 of the biscuits. Where are you going to get them? The picture? Oh, I'm sure I can find one online and send it to. I mean, no, I mean, I'll, uh, um, uh, I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, uh, pat it and bake it and stamp it with a P, put it in the oven for. No, that's the wrong initial. Well, anyways, let, let's move on, folks. <clears throat> so, with all this <laughs> information, so with all this uh, fruitful information, please go to our webpage for the Anzac Biscuits recipe and additional resources for this program. We ask for your support in the form of a tax-deductible contribution so that we can continue to offer you quality programming. 
Thank you in advance for going to our website to make your donation, as well as following us on Facebook and Instagram. Visit us at www.everyonedies.org. That's every, the number one, dies.org. Marianne? Thanks, Charlie. Bruce Willis's family put out a statement about his diagnosis with frontotemporal dementia, so I thought it would be a good time to talk about this disease. Dementias come in different types, and the one that's most common is Alzheimer's disease. The second most common type is frontotemporal dementia, which you could say FTD, yeah, frontotemporal dementia. So I'll say FTD just to make this go quicker. (laughs) FTD is different from Alzheimer's disease in many ways. Specifically, it gets worse faster and has a higher death rate. FTD has not yet been fully understood in terms of what causes it, but genetic factors are believed to be involved. FTD happens from damage to the nerve cells of the frontal and temporal lobes of the brain and can extend to the cortex, subcortex, cerebellum, and the brainstem. So, now for the science portion. The frontal lobe is the part of the brain that controls important thinking skills in humans, such as emotional expression, problem solving, memory, language, judgment, and sexual behaviors. It is, in essence, the control panel of the personality and our ability to communicate. So if you put your hands on your eyebrows and took them all the way up to your hairline, well, assuming we're like hairline normally is, um, up there, that area there, that's where the frontal lobe is. It's right in the front on the top. So the temporal part of this name of this disease, the temporal lobe's main function are seeing, smelling, and auditory processing and memory creation. It plays important roles in emotional responses and in communication. It plays a role in managing emotions, processing information about your senses, storing and retrieving memories, and understanding language. And those temporal lobes, if you start at your eyebrows and kind of go back towards your ears, that where your your that's where your those temporal lobes are. And there's two of them, one on either side. Uh, So damage results in symptoms of having unusual behaviors, emotional problems, trouble communicating difficulty with work, or difficulty with walking. About 20% of people with symptoms of dementia are diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia. FTD is the second most common neurodegenerative dementia in people younger than 65 years old. 60% of people with FTD are 45 to 64 years old. Genetically, approximately one-third of FTDs are familial, meaning they're genetic, they run in families. And typically, when you see a a disease that starts very young, that will typically have a genetic link. So you see how young this disease, you know, starting in age 45, that leads you to say, hmm, could it be genetic? And in fact, it is. There is no treatment, there's no cure, and survival time after onset of of the disease is between 3 and 14 years. Clinically, 
syndromes of FTD are categorized into three types. And this is important because how they progress and the symptoms you see depends on what type you have. So the first type is called the behavioral type. The second type is the linguistic variant type, which is diagnosed by what's called primary progressive aphasia. And that appears to be the type that Bruce Wills has because last year they had um, said that he was quitting acting because of aphasia or difficulty talking. And the third type is um, the sportive manifestation type, which is FTD with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. And we've done a show or a couple shows about that and atypical Parkinson's disease. And we've done some shows about Parkinson's disease. So you can look those up if you want to learn more about those particular diseases. It's important to understand that people with these disorders cannot control their behaviors. They can't control the other symptoms and they lack any awareness of their illness. They do not know that what's going on is what's going on. So let's talk about those three different types. The behavioral variant frontotemporal dementia is the most common um, kind of FTD. It involves changes in personality, behavior, and judgment. People will have symptoms with thinking, but their memory stays relatively intact. And symptoms can include problems planning and sequencing, meaning thinking through steps, what comes first, what comes second. So if you ask this person, could you make me a cup of tea? They would be all over the place because do I get a cup? Do I get a tea bag? Do I put the water on? Which do I do first? It's sort of a mess. So that's they have problems with sequencing. They have difficulty prioritizing tasks or activities, like which one should I do first? Which one should I do second? Like if they, you say, I have to open the mail and I have to go to the bathroom and I have to feed the dog, they they don't know which one to do first and they may end up wetting themselves because they didn't prioritize going to the bathroom. They repeat the same activity or say the same word over and over. And this is called perseveration. So this is a word that you can throw around and impress people. So when you're repeating the same activity or saying the same word, it's perseverating on something. They tend to act impulsively or saying or doing appropriate things without considering how others perceive their behavior. They might... You might be out at dinner and they might decide to unzip their pants and go to the bathroom right in the middle of the lobby of of the restaurant. Um, They might come right out and say things that you, you know, you might be thinking, but you know not to let it come out of your mouth. But they'll say that. Um, You might see that they're becoming disinterested in family or activities that they used to care about. This is called apathy, and this is very common in FTD. Over time, language and movement problems may may occur, and the person living with this behavioral type of FTD will need more care and supervision. So the second type is primary progressive aphasia. And primary progressive aphasia involves changes in the ability to communicate, to use language, to read, write, speak, and understand what others are saying. 
This includes difficulty using or understanding words, that's the aphasia part, and difficulty speaking properly, like they might have slurred speech. People with PPA, primary progressive aphasia, may have one or both symptoms, and they might become mute or unable to speak. Many people with PPA develop symptoms of dementia. Problems with memory, reasoning, and judgment are not apparent at first, but they can develop over time. Some people may experience significant behavioral changes, like those seen in the behavioral FTD, as the disease progresses. Now, there are three types of PPA categorized by the kind of language problems that appear first. Researchers don't fully understand the biological difference of the different types of PPA, but they hope one day to link specific language problems with the changes in the brains that cause them. So the first type of PPA is what's called semantic PPA. This is when the person slowly loses the ability to understand single words and sometimes to recognize the faces of familiar people and common objects. The second type is agrammatic PPA. The person has more and more trouble speaking and may omit words that link nouns and verbs, such as to, from, and the. Eventually, the person may no longer be able to speak at all. The person may eventually develop movement symptoms similar to those seen in cortical basal syndrome. Now, what's cortical basal syndrome? Cortical basal syndrome may start with movement problems, such as stiff muscles on one side of the body involving the arm, leg, or both. People with CBS may develop, may describe having a hard time controlling their arm or their leg. Some people with CBS have language problems first and may develop movement problems over time. Thinking and behavior changes may happen either at the beginning or later in the disease. The third type of PPA is the logopenic PPA. This is the person who has trouble finding the right words during a conversation, but can understand words and sentences. The person does not have problems with grammar. So those are all of the, um, the, the PPAs. The third type of frontotemporal dementia is movement disorders. Two rare neurological movement disorders associated with FTD are the cortical basal syndrome, which I just talked about, and, and um, progressive supranuclear palsy, which occur when the parts of the brain that control movement are affected. The disorders may also affect thinking and language abilities. Now, the cortical basal syndrome can be caused by cortical basal breakdown, a gradual shrinking and loss of nerve cells in specific parts of the brain. This breakdown causes progressive loss of the ability to control movement, typically beginning around age 60. The most prominent symptom may be apraxia, and this is the inability to use the arms or hands or to perform a movement despite having normal strength, such as difficulty closing buttons or operating small appliances. Many symptoms can include muscle rigidity and difficulty swallowing. 
Symptoms may occur first on one side of the body, but eventually both sides are affected. Occasionally, a person with cortical basal syndrome first has language problems or trouble orienting objects in space, and later develops movement symptoms. Not everyone who has cortical basal syndrome has problems with memory, cognition, language, or behavior. As you can see, this is all very complicated, and when you have somebody who's been diagnosed or is having these symptoms, it's really hard to pull it apart and figure out what's going on. So I had said that progressive supranuclear palsy is also a type of, of in this area of FTD. Supranuclear palsy causes problems with balance and walking. People with this disorder typically move slowly, experience unexplained falls, lose facial expression, have body stiffness, especially of the neck and the upper body, very much symptoms like Parkinson's disease. A hallmark sign of this disorder is trouble with eye movements, particularly looking down. The symptom may give the face a fixed stare, problems with behavior, memory, problem-solving, and judgment can also develop. Other movement-related types of FDD include frontal, frontal temporal dementia with Parkinsonism and frontal temporal dementia with ALS. Frontal temporal dementia with Parkinsonism can be an inherited disease caused by what the genetic um, variant of the tau. I'm not going to go into that because it's really complicated, but just know that it's a genetic variant. Symptoms include movement problems like those of Parkinson's disease, such as slowed movements, stiffness, balance problems, and changes in behavior or, or language. FTD with ALS um, can also be called FTD with motor neuron disease, is a combination of behavioral FTD and ALS. The latter in ALS, as I've said, is known as Lou Gehrig's disease. In addition to the behavioral and or language changes seen in the behavioral FTD, people with FTD ALS experience the progressive muscle weakness seen in ALS, fine jerks, and wiggling in muscles. Symptoms of either disease may appear first, with other symptoms developing over time. Changes in certain genes have been found in some people with FTD-ALS, though most cases are not hereditary. So, you might not have to listen to this a couple of times to kind of get the gist of it, but it's a, what I've given you is a very detailed explanation of what you might see with this disease. But how do you know if someone you know has it? Well, next week we're going to do a part two, which talks about symptom management and what the end of life looks like with this disease. Charlie, do you have any questions about this disease? Um, no, but only only because I'm trying to take everything in. There's there's so many there's so many layers. There's so many possibilities. And, and you know, to your point, what you were saying, it's not that 
you know, a doctor can look at you and say, oh, yeah, you have a cold. Here, uh, have chicken noodle soup, take a couple of days off, and that's it. Yeah, it takes a while to diagnose what's going on. It's, I had, I had no idea it was that complicated. Yeah, it's really complicated. And that's why when Bruce Willis a year, I mean, it was a year ago, they said he was quitting acting because he was has troubles with speech. It's taken from then until now. And we'll talk next week why it took so long. But essentially, you know, spoiler alert uh, for next week is that you have to kind of see what happens because there is no specific test so you have to see what happens Is right yeah exactly yeah that's, that's, yeah that's what you were saying yeah yeah oh. and so they they took the time they watched what was going on they must have seen progression and it starts to follow the course of what you expect with that disease then you can say well this is what we think it is okay thanks marianne you're welcome. But for our listeners, you might want to listen to it a couple times because I know it's a lot of information. And we have a lot of really good resources in the show notes for you that'll help with um, understanding this disease. Yeah. Next, Nick Cave. Nick is from Warak Nabil, a rural area of Victoria, Australia. He is a singer, songwriter, poet, lyricist, author, screenwriter, composer, and occasional actor. He is known for his baritone voice and for fronting the rock band Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Cave's music is characterized by emotional intensity, a wide variety of influences, and lyrical obsessions with death, religion, love, and violence. In 2015, Nick Cave and his family experienced the biggest tragedy of their lives. On July 14th of that year, Cave's teenage son, Arthur, accidentally fell off a cliff in Brighton and died of head injuries. As part of his healing process, Cave set up the Red Hand Files, a site where anyone can ask him anything with zero filters and moderation between the artist and the world. A woman named Cynthia wrote to the musician, and asked him how he deals with the death of his son, Arthur. This is how Cave replied. This is a very beautiful question, and I am grateful that you have asked it. It seems to me that if we love, we grieve. That's the deal. That's the pact. Grief and love are forever intertwined. Grief is a terrible reminder of the depths of our love, and, like love, grief is non-negotiable. There is a vastness to grief that overwhelms our minuscule selves. We are tiny, trembling clusters of atoms subsumed with grief's awesome presence. It occupies the core of our being and extends to our fingers to the limits of the universe. Within that whirling gyre, all manner of madness exists. Ghosts and spirits and dream visitations and everything else that we, in our anguish, will into existence. These are precious gifts that are as valid and as real as we need them to be. They are the spirit guides that lead us out of the darkness. I feel the presence of my son all around, but he may not be there. I hear him talk to me, parent me, guide me, though he may not be there. He visits Susie in her sleep regularly, speaks to her, comforts her, but he may not be there. 
Dead grief trails bright phantoms in its wake. These spirits are ideas, essentially. They are our stunted imaginations reawakening after the calamity. Like ideas, these spirits speak of possibility. Follow your ideas. Because on the other side of the idea is change and growth and redemption. Create your spirits. Call to them. Will them alive. Speak to them. It is their impossible and ghostly hands that draw us back to the world from which we were jettisoned. Better now and unimaginably changed. With love, Nick. Oh, that is just beautiful, Charlie. It really is. It's just... You know, and, and like you said, it's, it's 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 unfiltered, and that's you know, with the uh, yeah, just like you said, you know, ask ask me anything you want, and I will tell you, no filters, no barriers. And I put the link to that um, in the show notes, so if anybody wants to write to him, you can. Please stay tuned for the continuing saga of Everyone Dies, and thank you for listening. This is Charlie Navarrete. As Marianne pointed out, frontotemporal dementia is a disease which is not quite the same as dementia, which is a general term that describes the symptoms of a large number of different brain diseases, including Alzheimer's. With that in mind, here's a poem with thoughts on dementia. You know your first name, but not your surname. You know where you feel safe, but don't know your address. You recognize your husband, but not your children. You eat the food you are given, but don't know what you like to eat. You know when you are uncomfortable, but don't know when you want to go to the toilet. You watch the TV, but have no idea what program you have just watched. You smile when you are shown a baby, but have no idea he's your great-grandson. You drink tea, but don't know if you take sugar. You are alive, but you are not living. And I'm Marianne Matzo, and we'll see you next week. Remember, one day we will all have sorry business to do, and every day is a gift. This podcast does not provide medical advice. All discussion on this podcast, such as treatments, dosages, outcomes, charts, patient profiles, advice, messages, and any other discussion are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your primary care practitioner or other qualified health providers with any questions that you may have regarding your health. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard from this podcast. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. Everyone Dies does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, practitioners, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned in this podcast. Reliance on any information provided in this podcast by persons appearing on this podcast at the invitation of Everyone Dies or by other members is solely at your own risk.